welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Mitch and Dreeks podcast. For the next 30 minutes, we are your one-stop shop for everything Raptors this past week. My name is Mike Mitch. I'm your co-host, hanging out here with my good friend and creator of the show, Rodrigo Alpazares, a.k.a. Dreeks. How you doing, Dreeks? Man, I'm good. I you know, had a busy day, but this is the ideal stop, and I was looking forward to this, man. We've been talking about doing this podcast for a for a while, you know, we've been sitting on our asses, but we've been, it's both time we put it in production, right? Are you ready? Yeah, yeah, so long, so long. Probably a good two years since we since we decided to put this together. I'm definitely ready. Ah, that's, that's sick. I mean, at the same time, you know, who wants to listen to us knuckleheads? I hope some people subscribe. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you to everyone who decided to listen. Uh, so what are, we start, what are we starting our show with this week, Rod? <clears throat> yeah, so last week, the Raptors went three for three um, in wins, of course. And that included a big win over OKC. I mean, the uh, they took a loss last time they played OKC. Oh, um, they lost by one there. So <clears throat> that was a that was a tough uh, that was a tough game. So to get that W was huge. And then we followed that up with a big win over the Wizards, which wasn't really that hard to be quite honest. We won one forty to one eleven. So that was a joke. But um, <laughs> the next game was. It was on a back-to-back versus T Wolves. We won 122 to 112. Um, a lot of a lot of T Bay people made the drive down to that game, so that was cool. We got the W. Um, so that's three for three. We're on a winning streak right now. Winning streak is nice, and we'll have some analysis um, from the post-game commentary by Nick Nurse. So that'd be huge as well. Long gone are the days where it's three for three of losses. Back in the Barniani years. <laughs> Primo pasta and losses, not sauce. <laughs> After giving you the quick little game updates, we're going to move into you know, a hot topic that Rod and I debate quite frequently, and that is the Patrick McCaw situation, especially with the rising to prominence, seemingly prominence of you know, Davis and see what he's going to be doing. We have a conversation about you know, what role McCaw should play going forward and you know, should he be supplanted by Davis. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I like that. Um, that topic and uh, from there we're going to move on to the center situation I mean we just got Gasol back and we have Serge and uh, I think the the biggest thing is do we have both them playing at the same uh, on the same lineup the same starting lineup or do we we do we go big stay big or we just keep Van Fleet in because he just got back as well into the starting lineup so I think that's huge Uh, we'll see what we're going to do it in that situation do we need to upgrade at center um, it, to be in the buyer's market, I'm not sure, but we'll, we'll discuss it. You'll get the lowdown. I like it, especially with some, <clears throat> excuse me, especially with some key trade assets that the Raptors still have. Lots of picks, you know, some good young talent. You know, to close out the show, we're going to go to you know the All Star break, All Star game. You know, we got the one Raptor and Siakam in there right now, and we'll kind of give you the updates on that, and then we'll set up the next slate of games for you this week. But let's get started with the highlights. From the OKC game, I'm gonna let you take this over with the the Nick Nurse uh, post game interviews, my uh, interview master over there. So, so let's so, get this going. So as Rod said, our, the OKC game was 130, 121. You know, some point, some stat lines for you. But OG going off for 25, 21, five and five. Pascal came back that day. He got 21, four and four. And then Powell, you know, big story this year off the bench was 23 and two. Um, Nick Nurse kind of brought up some things about conditioning in the post game, which I thought were really interesting. Is people are starting to come back healthy? I thought OG was immense defensively this game, um, but as we as we saw that that in 
that break between the third and fourth quarter, you know, really saw the Raptors struggle. What do you think about that? Yeah, that was that was tough. I mean, um, they opened the game as hot as you can start. I mean, it was it was against a good OKC OKC team. Yeah, they've been hot, man. Like they've they've had guys like uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander step up, and in that sense, it's that's that's hard to do. Um, he's he's a he's a young guy that just got traded. Um, well, in the off season for obviously Paul George, he was part of that package, and he stepped up huge. Um, so I mean, we played well for the first, I would say, three quarters. We, you know, kind of came down, and um, I think we lost the game a bit in the, in the fourth. There definitely we got it got down to four. So it it was a, it was a tough um, it's a tough way to give up a game for a little bit there for a little stretch, but I think when it came down to it, our key guys came in and they made uh, clutch bus, uh, baskets and buckets. Sorry, and I mean that's what it all comes down to. I mean. That's what you people. This team has the championship pedigree. Even guys that weren't there last year, like RSJ, uh, Hustle Jefferson. You know, those guys are coming in with a mind state now. Like we're champions. Even though he may not be a champion, he has that mind state now because he's been rolling with these guys uh, for over half the season now. So I think it was a big win for us, especially getting Gasol back in that lineup. Yeah, I think I think this is the OG thing. I mean, you know. People don't know. People who don't know this. I'm a huge OG fan. I think he's fantastic. Playing 39 minutes, you know, showing what he can do is, you know, that third third option on the floor. You know, no longer having that pressure with all those injuries. Um, you know, coming up big defensively a few times. Um, you know, with that high pressure at mid court, sometimes full court. You know, <clears throat> going eight for 13. You know, he's a big, big, big turning point for us this season, especially as he slowly moves down that pecking order. The pressure sort of slowly comes off. No, hundred percent, man. He's been he's been massive um, this entire year. Like, I mean, defensively, I feel like he's been there, um, and he's been he's been clutch. So that's that's been awesome. I mean, from the three point arc, um, I think he has he started off hot this year, and then he kind of dwindled down, obviously a little bit. And I think he's starting to get it back because I think he's starting to follow through on his shots. Um, again, which is massive for us. I mean, I think that's just huge. So for us to to be able to succeed uh, throughout the season, we need strong play from his um, position. I mean, throughout the years, even down to 2014, 2015 Raptors, we never had a small forward ever. That was consistent. Then we had Kawhi Leonard. Um, and you know how good he was, Mitch. <laughs> oh yeah, and I find OG's like a like for like. I mean, obviously not of Kawhi, but you know, of Danny Green. We lost Danny Green, which I thought was you know, people were underplaying that with losing Kawhi over the off season. But Danny Green was big, big difference defensively last year. And I find OG is just you know, he's shooting thirty seven point four percent for three this year. I mean, it's probably going to go up, especially with that space now starting to open up on the floor with the fresh legs back. Um, you know, I find I find him a like for like for Danny Green, and I, I mean that in the best possible way. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And the yeah, like I, I would say like when you look at, when you looked at Danny Green um, and how he played, he played a little. I'd say he played a little bit awkward, to be honest. Um, <laughs> it's he, that running style. Yeah, it's that running style he had. Like it was like like bow legged, but you know if it works, it works. I mean, <laughs> you can't complain. But at the same time. Um, OG is 
you could compare compare him to uh, a Danny Green. I think a Danny Green's a, a a more prolific shooter. Of course, he's been in the league a lot longer than OG. And OG's just coming back from a year of injuries last year and misfortunes with his family stuff and whatnot as well. So I think um, moving forward, and if he stays healthy like he has this, this year, knock on wood, I think you'll see him be more effective um, with our entire starting lineup back in full force and his ability to have more open shots. Um, and I think he's, I would say, honestly, that he is better in moments where he's contested. Would you yeah, not say, Mitch? That, that I think it's, it's that one thing where like where he doesn't have to think about it. Like you said, with his follow-through and his form, it's, you know, the muscle memory just takes over the shot rather than, when, you know, when you, sometimes when you have those open looks, you can even see them hesitate in their mind being like, oh, I'm so open. And not everyone's James Harden and where, like, you know, they thrive in that kind of environment. But when he's contested, he seems to be getting the shot off a little bit quicker and, you know, less time to think about everything that's going on around him. Yeah, and one one guy can tell you that's not thinking right now, and he doesn't have to. He's unconscious on the court. Is Norman Powell? Oh yeah, Norman Powell, big game, big game all week. All week he's been on fire off the he's, bench. He's been money man, and I want to tell you a funny thing right now. For the past, um, let me take a look here. This is yeah. For the past fifteen minutes, I've been trying to look for the box score for this game, and it's given me. It's given me um, options for last year when Kawhi Leonard played on the Raptors and the game before that. And I finally just found the stat sheet. But yeah, Powell's been unreal, man. Like he's, I don't know what it is. I think like he just came back from injury. And, um, you know, usually a guy that suffers an injury like that, especially with his shoulder, can come back a little rusty, which should make sense. But he came back swinging, man. I, I, what do you see? Like, what what do you see from him that that makes him so efficient on the court? Nick Nurse has asked <laughs> about this after the Wiz game, and then again after the T Wolves game, and we'll get to those in a second. But you know, what Nick Nurse has highlighted is that he's far more aggressive, and he's far more confident. I, you know, he's playing the two, and he's also leading that second unit, and he's getting to match up against smaller guards. He's going to match up against guys who are 6'3", 6'4", you know, him saying at 6'6", 6'7", he gets to, you know, dominate, dominate those players, but also he has, the, you know, the foot movement to, you know, stay with them, the foot speed to stay with them. So I think he's getting some really nice matchups for his confidence. He's getting against smaller, smaller guys, but, you know, and he's just, he's just aggressive. Yeah, like, in, I couldn't state that any better. Like, he's just, he's just aggressive. He's doing, he's, he's. He's taking what's given to him. Um, and you know, like Norm is Norm is Norm. He loves going down on the fast break, going one on four, one on three, one on six. <laughs> um, but, you know, this year he's been efficient about it. I mean, at times I've seen him pull out from one on four situations, which is great. But I think what makes Norm Norm is his aggressiveness, like you stated. So for him, he's just, you know, putting. He's putting himself in those situations where he can be aggressive and he's being efficient about it. And he's taking shots that um, that are good shots or excellent shots. He's mm-hmm. People are finding them. And I've seen this as well in, in his game. His pull-up jumper in the mid-range, not as efficient, but lately it has been. So if he can have that in his arsenal for the rest of the season, I'm not saying he's going to shoot it 
at a high clip all the time or at an efficient rate. But if he can establish that and make that more of a consistent part of his game, people are going to have to watch out for him. If they yeah, are already. Especially this year. I mean, this year, I mean, I think Schroeder has it locked up in OKC as sixth man of the year because he's been phenomenal. But, you know, Powell could be a potential sixth man of the year. I think he, I think he has that in him. Yeah, like, I mean, the only thing that's, that's hurting him was his injury, right? So it, that's a tough part of the game. Um, but, like, what are you, you going to do? I mean, you can put him in there for sure. I mean, obviously, Lou Will is going to be in that conversation. But I, I see the guy plays 38 minutes a game. Like, I don't know if you should be sixth man of the year. You know what I mean? Realistically, you are. You're basically a starter. Yeah, he, he and that's what kind of Lou Will kind of has done. I mean, before that, I think it was Jamal Crawford who kind of reinvented that six-man position where, you know, you come on in the second unit, get in your groove, and then you're on fire by the time you come back and start to play with the, the starting unit guys, and you kind of just seamlessly fit right in. And he seems to be doing that because, I mean, I like Van Vliet and Lowry in the back court, and then I also like OG playing because I think OG's defense is, you know, we're, we're, you know, helps out that starting unit with his athleticism, getting Lowry, you know, off off the ball a lot of times on defense, um, and then he's not replaced. Obviously, he's too small to kind of go into that Siakam Gasol role, but I, I like him off the bench. I don't think, I think that's where he stays personally. Yeah, he they'll they'll kind of switch up. I think matchups is is one of the biggest things that they'll that they'll look at. Um, but when you look at changing things all the time, I mean, I don't recommend it. Um, but it's Nick Nurse. He's it's a season. He wants to toy around and figure out what works best for him. Which hey, that's fair, man. You you're a candidate for coach of the year. You can do whatever the hell you want at this point, man. Um, especially with all the injuries been in, he's been dealing with. So um, and like obviously we talked about the OKC game and how they pulled through, almost let it slip a little bit. But I mean, there's no slippage versus the Wizards. There is there's no. <laughs> There was no point in that game where I thought Washington was going to make it a game because he just couldn't. <laughs> no, and it's like you said about, you, you know, you talked about fooling around with the starting lineup and fooling around with lineups, period. What you said, I have to ask the first thing, you know, OG started at the two in that game. You know, you had OG, Gasol, Siakam, Ibaka, Lowry, all playing in the starting lineup that game. Again, Powell goes off with 28 off the bench. You know, another amazing game from Norm. But what, like, what do you think of that gigantic lineup? This is something Nick Nurse said. You know, he's going to try to get a lot more on the court in the post game after the Wizard game. Yeah, it's, it's it's something, man. Like, I mean, when you look at it, um, OG Ananobi is he could be a a linebacker in the NFL <laughs> at this point. The guy is massive, and then you you play with the other guys. I mean, Pascal's huge. Ibaka's a big dude. Soul obviously is a big dude. Um, he's a different kind of big, I would say. But I like them at the two, man. I mean, like you can't at the two. Like you may have a guy that is the same height, possibly, probably not. But at times you can. Um, maybe like a guy like DeRozan can match up for height with them. But when you're talking about size and physicality, no. Like there's not a lot of guys that can deal with that kind of body on them right like so beal had um you know og on him for a bit of course and beal was a minus three during that game i mean everybody on the wizards was a minus but (laughs) (laughs) but yeah well yeah when you don't win a quarter you're obviously not going to be in the positives um but i like him 
uh, at the two. I mean, I'm not sure how much we're gonna see of it of him at the two, like as a starting lineup. But I would see, I could see him being there. Um, you know, with Nick Nurse uh, playing around the lineups, and yeah, well, why not? Why not throw that big body at somebody? Yeah, I think I think it works too. Just because like uh, it was, I mean, a while back, not in our span, but when they're playing Miami, uh, yeah, you have he was, you know, constantly guarding, you know, the top guys on Miami. So I think it's kind of a seamless fit with OG that Nick Nurse has figured out. Where it's like, well, he's, you know, potentially guarding the shooting guard position or the point guard position, anyways, because they do like to get Lowry off the ball. I mean, he's aging. It makes sense. Um, they do like to get Lowry off the, you know, off the ball on defense and put OG up there. So it kind of seemed like it's just like it's like let's just go for it. I mean, this is somewhat the lineup that we were asking for last year. Last year we kind of asked for this gigantic lineup. I mean, this is pre-Gasol, so instead of Gasol, it would have been you know Kawhi. People were asking Lowry, OG, Siakam, Ibaka, Kawhi. See what that would happen. You kind of have a hybrid version of that, and you got to see what it looked like against the Wizards. Yeah, like you you obviously can't look too much into it because it's it's the Wizards. It is the Wizards, <laughs> but. Like I said, man, when you when you put a put a guy out there who's been uh, lately for sure um, as aggressive as he's been, I mean, he's been taking it to the bucket pretty hard. Um, and he was overall eight for thirteen in that game. He was two for six from three, because um, that's been slipping a bit for the past few weeks. But he what he went six for six for seven. Uh, am I am I am I? wrong in that sense yeah six for seven um with the two points two point buckets because he gets to the lane um and he's such a big body he's got that spin move it's it's so efficient like i wish um he's doing what terrence ross should have done when he was a raptor instead of just sitting on a three-point arc he was he's being aggressive um and i think he just needs to figure out how to get to the line more because he's he's, a, he's not a, he doesn't get a lot of free throws and he's a, and he was a big driver so it's, it's strange that someone with such a big body, so much speed, doesn't get to the line as much. Yeah, like I, it's either that, um, or maybe he's getting hacked and he's just. But he's finishing his buckets. That's from what I see. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's big. I mean, unless he's like a LeBron, who obviously he's not as big as LeBron, but um, you know, like for LeBron, LeBron to get hacked. Um, it's got to be substantial hack. I mean, there are player reputation reputation calls, but for a guy like OG, he doesn't have the reputation yet of getting to the bucket all the time. This is something new that the refs are seeing. So maybe he is getting hacked a little bit sometimes, and maybe in future years he'll he'll get to the bucket more. But he needs to, or sorry, the free throw line more. But he needs to work on his free throws as well. He's he's not shooting a very uh, great percentage when he gets there. So um, overall, but I mean. It's just I think the Wizards Wizards game was just pretty straightforward. There's yeah. there's there's stuff to talk about where you know. I mean, Gasol came back. I mean, that was that was part of the game to have him back against the Wizard. You know? Yeah, like well, yeah, he played in OKC as well. Um, he didn't have to. He had a p- pretty uh, big role in that game as well. But I think he made his mark being consistent in the, in the Wizards game because he was he was six for seven from three. Mm-hmm. Like, I I don't I don't think. He made six three pointers when he was he- when he was healthy. Um, I mean, yeah, you saw the at the start of the year. Yeah, he, he he, Nick, Nick Nurse said he went out and um, because of his injury, he was able to work on his shot. So Nick Nurse said he actually went out while he was out injured and spent a lot of time working on his shot. 
Yeah, and he he said that he wanted to be more aggressive um, yeah. going into the OKC game, and he was in that OKC game, but he came even more aggressive in the in the Wizards game because he could, of course. I mean, it's the Wizards again, but it's, still Wiz- it's a confidence building game. It's a it's a, it it wasn't a slump buster, but it was a slump buster game. But it was just it was a it was a confidence building game. You know, get into some rhythm, get feel the rhythm, feel the the rhyme you know <laughs> it's bobsled time um and that's from cool runnings of course one of my favorite movies cite it, cite uh, it. and that translated um like his offensive game didn't translate into timberwolves game um he was only two for six so but he was a plus seven because offensively or offensively and defensively more important defensively he's he caused havoc with towns yeah who you know they did a very good job of shutting down uh, Towns I, I think he was the first game back after an injury or the second game back after an injury they're on a back-to-back as well as the Raptors are on a back-to-back um, so it was kind of you know except I think in that first quarter where you know it was a pretty it was a pretty bad game in that first quarter especially Raptors defense slow on the rotation um, but you know it's a pretty even game in the sense that they're both back-to-back but they held Towns to you know 12 points and we were talking about this earlier. You know, he was in, you know, incredibly frustrated the entire night. Oh, super frustrated, man. Like, I mean, he was only, yeah, four from eleven from the floor, minus nine in the, um, and plus minus. So, I just, I just think he, he or Wiggins needs to change the scenery. Oh, well, that's another, uh, that's a hot topic that we won't get into. But, um, yeah, I mean, just. Looking at it, he's just he doesn't fit in anymore, in my opinion. And so, when your star, which he is the star of the team, is complaining and uh, being a crybaby on the floor, that doesn't set a good example for your young cats or for your guys that are trying to win the game. You're just out there complaining. I mean, Lowry does it, but he does it with, um, you know, with he has respect for the league and. You know, he like you said, complains a lot to the refs, but there's some behind it, right? There's he's trying to get the next call, but when you're acting like Towns did, you're not gonna get the respect of the the officials. You're just you're you're just looking like a crybaby. But and I think you see something different too with Lauer. No, it wasn't. Lauer, it was um, Saul <clears throat> and Siak, and both getting those technicals. You know, you see a response when they do get the technicals, whereas with Towns, you just he didn't get that. He didn't get a technical, of course, but he's complaining all night. He, you know, he had bad body language. Um, but when, you know, like you said, when the Raptors players, especially Gasol and Siakam specifically, got those technicals, you know, for arguing with the ref for bad calls because it was a bad whistle that night, um, you know, they turned it around and they put it, you know, they put it into productivity rather than you know, kind of negativity. Yeah, and I think for the Timberwolves, the biggest thing that kept them in the that gave them the lead in the first quarter was uh, Culver. He was hot from three. Um, he was. He started off with like with just a pure fire in him. Like he he couldn't miss. Um, and some of them were open looks, of course. But and he finished the game with twenty six. But eventually he cooled down. So the Raptors did a good job of maintaining the game at half um, and getting it back to a sizable um, margin. And then they exploded in the second half, like they've like they've done. Which is no surprise, but 
when you look at it, the Timberwolves are not a strong team, and there's a perfect example for it is they're six and fourteen at home. That's like a road record. That's amazing. How can it be six for fourteen, Mitch? Especially with oh. the you think with that talent, like Cat is a very talented player. You know, they they don't have you know. I mean, I know they have problems winning games, and you know that's eventually why Jimmy Butler left. But you know, they're not a you know they're not an untalented team. No, not at all. Like they they have all the talent. I mean, Covington is a talent. Uh, Napier's he's all right. I mean, this Culver guy, and he he could be something. I mean, uh, Gordy Jang, he's he's pretty good as well. I mean, they have the guys, but when you're when your main guy, Towns, first of all, if he's not producing, that's tough. But when he's causing havoc on the court, um, that's not beneficial for you. It doesn't set a like I said, it doesn't set a good example for your 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 players that are around you and. Do you feel like they can't win the game anymore, especially when you, the Raptors start making a run or any other team makes a run? You want your main guy to bring in your squad and regroup, but I don't think Towns is that guy in Minnesota anymore, and neither is Wiggins. So I think they're going to have a tough go again this year. They started off hot this year, but I can't see them making any runs. Can you, Mitch? No, I don't think so. On the opposite end of that, you know, you have the fresh legs of Van Vliet and the Raptors, you know, this game kind of reminded me of the Raptors season a little bit, you know, hang in there, hang in there. And then when everyone kind of comes back and healthy, then we'll make a run. And now you're starting to see it. You know, Powell has another big game. Van Vliet has another, you know, has a monster game on his return at 29 points. You know, Lowry decided, you know, decided that, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take over this game. 28 points. Uh, Powell again, 20 off the bench. It just seems like, you know, these are two teams headed in the opposite directions. And I guess like my question to you is, you know, are we starting to see the real Norman Powell? We've talked about Norman Powell quite a bit on this podcast already, but you know, yeah. is this is this to stay, or you know, are we just seeing the benefits of a weak schedule? I want to say, um, my heart wants to tell me that <laughs> just the heart, just the heart, that it's it's actually here to stay, um, because and um, when you look at this, the facts. Before he got injuries, playing the best ball of his career, and a lot of people have said that as well. And you can notice it, or you noticed it. And then he got injured, and then you don't know how he's going to come back, how he's going to uh, readjust with the minutes and whatnot. But in the rotation, but he came back stronger than ever. So it, he's been playing consistent, and that's that's been his biggest, um, you know, biggest thing that he could not. He could not stay consistent, uh, especially last year or the year before that. And you have playoff Powell, but I think he's here to stay because you realize he just has to be consistent. He doesn't have to score 24 each game, but he has to stay aggressive. And, you know, if you stay aggressive and you're, you're taking the right shots, we can't blame you. Like, if they don't go in, they don't, they don't go in, but you're at least taking the right shots. I mean, what do you think? Do you think he's here to stay or do you think this is Mirage? I'm going to wait and see with Norman Powell. I mean, sorry, Raptor fans. I know you love him, but this this has, been, this has happened to us once before. But Powell's exploded. You know, then he went away for about a year and a half. And, yeah, he dealt with injuries, but he also went away for a year and a half. So I'm going to wait and see, you know, this this upcoming week. That we'll see what he does against Philly. That's where I'm really going to – we're really going to see, you know, what he's, what he's made of. Yeah, and uh, and 
I agree with you. You have to wait, see what's going on, be consistent. But I just got to throw this last thing in there. Lowry had, he played 28 minutes and he had 28 points. Mm-hmm. That, is, that is as efficient as you're going to be. And from three as well, he made some big buckets, huge buckets in the second half. So, and like you, you said, Van Fleet had 29. He was huge. He had 29 and 29 minutes. Come on. Like, when this team gets fully healthy, man, they're going to be hard to beat because their defensive uh, mind state is it's second to none. It's it's something else, man. When these are, these guys want to play together and they have chemistry, it's going to be there, man. So they're going to be a tough one in the playoffs. Too fast, too big, too strong. Yeah. I mean, imagine having Kawhi right now. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> imagine. We'd be – yeah, well, we'd be no. We'd probably <laughs> repeat. Yeah. The, the talent that we have on the team, but um, I, one thing that we can go on and repeat about and talk about and talk about and talk about is the McCaw versus Davis conversation, mm-hmm. because I know this one fires up Raptors fans, fires up, and it's it's kind of funny, man, because people love Davis. I love Davis. People love McCaw. No, they don't. <laughs> I love McCaw. I don't think I'm the only one who loves McCaw. Man, what is, what is your your analysis of McCaw when he's on the court? What what do you see that that makes you favor him so like favors him in the Raptors lineup to keep him in the rotation? So the first thing, you know, I think Davis is an excellent excellent prospect, especially you know asking not to be drafted to bet on himself. I think that's a crazy thing that sometimes people don't remember so much when he's on the court. But I think what you see with Davis this last week is exactly why I think McCaw gets more minutes. If Davis has a big game against the Wiz. Of course, it's the Wiz, but he still you know, has a huge game against the Wiz. Uh, you know, against OKC, I think this is when the debate really got fired up again. You know, he finished with 12 points in 17 minutes at a plus 18. McCaw, meanwhile, was minus 5 with only 6 points. A few turnovers, although he did have 5 assists. Um, but with McCaw, you just see the rotation on defense more fluid. I think last night's game against the Timberwolves, um, if this does go to air on Monday, my apologies, the Saturday night game against the Timberwolves, you saw Davis get lost quite often on defense and he only ended up playing 11 minutes against you know a so-so minnesota team and i think that's the reason it's because like what i see with mccall is someone who knows the system do i think davis's upside is far better than mccall absolutely he can he's a better shooter he's a better offensive threat i think he has more potential but you know his floor is lower than mccall's floor in my opinion that's what i see with him on a full strength team i see you know someone you can rely upon someone who's been there with mccall and someone who has him with Davis, and I think it's just you know Davis is young. What about yourself? Yeah, like I agree. Like Davis is going to, and he has. He's made mistakes. He had that huge mistake, um, and I want to say it was versus the OKC game where he didn't foul until what well, he could have fouled. Um, I, f- I forget who it was who was crossing the half court, but he never fouled him, and the there was about 10 seconds that went off the clock, uh, which is huge because, I mean, in the fourth, I mean, with your chances tied up and whatnot, you, you want to foul right away, but he never did. It was a rookie mistake. He moved on from it. 
but and he is a plus 14 when he's on the court, which is huge. I mean, plus 14 for a guy that is betting on himself like Van Fleet, that's massive. But I do agree with you that McCaw is more fluid than Davis on the um, on the defensive side of the ball. That I see that. I, I think McCaw is a, uh, is a grinded out defender, and he just stays with guys. He did an excellent job, excellent job um, in the uh, Wizards game. He stayed in front of Ish Smith, who has been a Raptors killer in the past, and he never let him go off, get off. Sorry. Um, he was able to contest the shots and whatnot, and be a, he may not be your your knockdown shooter, even, even though for a couple games he was, which was surprising. But I actually agree with you that uh, McCaw deserves his minutes that he's getting because he's able to be a playmaker, get Lowry some open shots, and now Van Fleet um, some more open shots because those guys are the shooters. That's who you, that's who you want to free up, right? <laughs> Um, you can only get so many good looks from a, from a pick, right? So uh, when you have the ball for Kyle and, and Van Fleet, I think um, looking at it, Van Fleet likes to come off screens um, and get the ball and shoot it. That's where he's more comfortable shooting the three. So with McCall, I just think that he has more experience than Davis. I mean, Davis can get hot, um, and that's one of the reasons I think that you see Nick Nurse play him is to see if he gets hot and becomes that torch. Um, and he gives him those sporadic minutes to see, okay, if this guy gets hot, I'm going to keep him in. But if he doesn't get hot, I have McCaw as my backup. You know what I mean? I have McCaw as my stability, uh, as my, my guy that's stable, who's going to, I know what I'm going to get, good defensive effort and playmaking abilities. And he won't be able to shoot, but that's okay. So I'm actually agreeing with you on this. I think he deserves the the minutes that he's getting. The plus minus is, I don't think it's what's obviously correct, but it it's doesn't... not an accurate representation because Davis doesn't get the minutes that McCall gets against the first unit. Yeah, 100. percent So it's it just to me it, it's fine um, how people want to view it and and whatnot, but McCall's going to continue to get minutes unless. He becomes a defensive liability, which he's not. He won't. He won't lose his spot in the rotation. There's no chance. Um, I mean, when it comes down to the playoffs, it, you know, like the, the rotation tightens up. I think it's going to be Davis and um, Davis and McCall that are going to be fighting for those minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think what Dave, I think what Davis gets you is what you're saying. Is he gets you space on the floor, whereas McCaw, McCaw doesn't get you space. I mean, he has speed and he has playmaking ability, but he like it's it's one of the things where I think you're right in the playoffs where you kind of are running a lot more set plays, a lot more half court. I think you might see more Terrence Davis just because he can space the floor with his shooting, and McCaw might play later minutes in the fourth quarter and you know games that are blowouts or maybe when they have. A special unit out there to play a specific defensive set, um, but you're right about Terrence Davis. Like, they're not taking anything away from him. You know, he can space the floor. I just think he's, you know, a rookie and he's going up and down, like we expected him to. Yeah, at the end of the day, man, it comes down to we have enough offense on the court. We need defense. We need to be that, um, like we have with our ident- identity this year, is our defensive prowess, and. 
we need guys that are going to be stoppers because we can score on whoever the hell we want. It's that's not an issue. But can we have? Can we rely on Davis to be that that dude defensively to stop somebody on the second unit that could become a flamethrower? I think McCall is that guy who can you can put out there um, and buy OG some minutes, buy uh, Norm some minutes, or buy Van Fleet some minutes with it's just with his defensive efforts, right? So, I, and, and I think I think that's right. I think with I, I think with what you get with um, with da- with Davis is you know he does have those defensive lapses, and that goes back to I think it was the, one of the first interviews that Nick Nurse did this year, and it was in October, and everyone you know, he kind of put all the reporters on notice because we were bringing in you know Hollis Jefferson, Stanley Johnson, and you know the reporters were asking which one is, you know, taking the spot off the bench. And he said, right now, none of them, because they don't understand our defensive scheme. If they don't understand our defensive scheme, they're not playing. I don't care what you can do offensively. It's what you can do defensively, and then you can go and play. But first you take care of, you know, the defense. And so I think that's, like you said, that's Raptors identity, you know, even last year, but so much more so this year, that ability to rotate on defense. And if he, if Davis can't get there, I, I that's why I'm a big fan of McCaw. Because he can, because he can, you know, add speed, good steals. You know, he's lengthy. He can get blocks on defense. They get three last night. Um, yeah, I think he's a he's a good defensive player. One hundred percent, man. And speaking of like rotating and situations and whatnot, are we rotating our centers, or are we looking to move them? Um, are we buyers? Are we sellers so for the center situation? What do you think? News in Raptors land is that Masai is looking to buy, which shouldn't shock anyone, because ever since he walked through that door, he's been looking at every other NBA roster about who he can pick up to make the Raptors better, which is why I think he is one of the best um, front office uh, you know, people in the NBA, if not the best, because he's always looking to what he can make the team better. Um, you know, you were you were pretty high on Drummond last time we spoke, so you know you can take the lead on this one. What do you think that we need at center? Do you want to stay with the group that got us there last year, or do you, do you need an upgrade? Um, two weeks ago, or when yeah, when we talked about <laughs> two this, two weeks I, ago, whatever it was, man, I must have been high as hell if I was promoting Drummond. Um, no, we we don't need to make any changes. Um, I regret what I was talking about with you. I don't like Drummond for the future, especially with the money that he demand if we did trade for him. And he's probably an opt-out free agent this year. Yeah, so I mean, it's just it's not worth it. Like, I mean, if he could shoot uh, 60% from three, then yeah, I'd trade for him right away. Um, but with a guy like Gasol, we're not going to move him, man. He's 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 prime time in the playoffs, man. He's He's a gem. He can do it defensively. He's been there. He was there last year. He was even there before that. He's been able to make big buckets. And he, last year, he made buckets when it when it counted. Same with Serge. There's no reason for us to let these guys go or anybody go at this point, like a Kyle Lowry, Serge Ibaka, Norman Powell, um, and Gasol. There's no reason for us to move them. I think we're a legitimate threat to get to the NBA Finals in the East as long as we stay healthy. And there's no reason to make a big move if you're Masai. And I trust Masai, and he won't. He, he definitely won't. There's no reason for it. There's, there's you know, maybe a situation where you can go and get, like, a 
you know, a good good shooter, a great shooter from three, who's um, whose contract isn't very big. I mean, there's not a lot of guys that come up right now. Um, so it's just there's no reason for us to make any upgrades at center because we have the upgrades in the East. We I think we have the most efficient centers at this point, maybe not defensively with a surge, but for a guy that can lock down a guy like Lopez and Embiid, Gasol can do that. And he did it last year. I mean, yeah, Lopez went off in the first few games, but that's because we just let him. We just didn't play that well, but in the Bucks series. But when you look at Gasol, I think he's still the Gasol from last year, and he may end up being better because he's getting more time to acclimate himself with the team. So he just had a nice month off. That injury, yeah, he had a nice month and he, off. And he played like 19 straight months of basketball, man. Like that yeah. wears and tears on your body. So to, to be able to have that time off was beneficial for him. As you, some might say he wasn't even injured. <laughs> he might have just took the month off, you know, a little uh, worker's disability, a little short-term disability. A little uh, management to the extreme. Yeah, no kidding. Um, but no, obviously he didn't. He was obviously injured, but it was good for him. So uh, for me, there's no reason for us to do anything at center. Is there anything you just would do? On, just on the trade front, I think like I think you're losing uh, you're losing OG and picks at worst if you're going to try to move, including the center. If you're going to try to move for a center, you know. Sorry, at best, you know, at worst, you're probably people are probably going to ask for a guy like Norman Powell, and I just, I don't, I, I just think staying still, unless like something, you know, like a Kawhi S trade materializes, you know, I think just staying still and just kind of rolling the dice with what you have and let Nick Nurse be the coach of the year that I think he is, and I think he is this year anyways, um, and see what can see what happens in the playoffs, <laughs> maybe a couple depth moves, but. And yeah, I agree with you. Um, and there's there's no there's no reason to make a rash move. I mean, we're starting to win ball games. We have a great stretch coming up where we play a bunch of uh, average teams or below average teams. So there's no reason to um, to make a move right now or even at the deadline. We're gonna go on a winning streak. I'm calling it right now. Um, we're playing good basketball, great basketball at this point, and let's keep it rolling. And one of the biggest things, and it's one of the last things that we're going to touch up on, is the movement in the all-star voting situation. Pascal has moved up to number two. Am I right? Is it number two? In the, number two, almost 50,000 more votes than Joel Embiid. Which Sorry. makes sense because Joel Embiid's um, a bitch, but uh, <laughs> and he's not very consistent. I hate that guy, man. It's not even the fact that he cries. Everybody cries, man. I cry all the time. But it's just he's just so cocky, man. He, he comes in this year saying he doesn't, he's not gonna, he just want to play. He wants to play basketball and not cock off, man. I don't know, man. It's just I just don't like you. But that's I think it's a big move. He's he's gonna, he's obviously a shoe in for the All Star game. Um, yeah. Of course, Lowry's number five in the backcourt right now, and he moved up too. Yeah, he moved up, and I know Van Vliet, although it's not on my chart right now. Um, the last fan voting, he was no, he was number ten, so it's nice to see. I think it's too many spots to move up unless you know he catches fire and people finally appreciate him for the player he is. Um, but it's nice to see Van Vliet also getting recognition 
at least in the own the top ten backcourt of the East. Yeah, like, um, like, like we said before, if when when I when I look at this and I'm trying to pull it up, but my computer is being very slow. Um, what is the situation with the guard situation? Um, who's What's the top five? So right now you've Trey Young, who I think deserves to be there, number one. You know, he's been lights out this year for Atlanta, although they are they do have a losing record. Um, Kyrie Irving, joke. (laughs) Popularity wise, is in at number two. Kemba Walker, you know, I think yeah, he should be at number two personally. Uh, And Derek Rose out of Detroit, you know, you can put throw up a joke there again at number four, and then I just threw up in my mouth. (laughs) I'm throwing up on the floor right now. Um, then Kyle Lowry at number five. You know, so you can easily see Kyle Lowry at number three, realistically, if we weren't you know, a Canadian-based team. Yeah, I, I don't understand how Kyrie Irving is number two, even with the fan votes, man. He is... Uh, yeah. <laughs> he... He, he's just not a good. He's not a good. Per, he might be a good person, but like he's just doesn't. He's not no, a good I, leader. I like, I like to think he's not a good person. You know, like in my head, he's definitely not. It's just I just don't think he's a good leader. He's a hell of a basketball player. Um, but that's when he's just Uncle Drew. Yeah, but, when he's all getting buckets. Yes, but I just don't. I don't understand how Kyrie and Derrick Rose are in here. That is a joke. Derrick Rose is 25 minutes on a terrible Detroit team, and he's putting, yeah, he's putting up 18 points, but, you know, I think that's just a sentimental vote. I think that's maybe even, like, Detroit fans being like, you finally need someone in the All-Star game. It just makes me nauseous and gives me a migraine, man, looking at this. It's just, and then you got, and then you got uh, Alex Caruso that has, he has more votes than Kyle Lowry. Joke. Are you... Are you, are, is everybody in LA smoking meth? <laughs> That's a LeBron James. That's a LeBron James hit job right there. That's a bad. Like, like I need to, I need to look at this because um, it it's making me sick um, to my stomach still. I need to look at his stats for the year here. Alex Caruso stats. Um, wow, he's six five, one hundred and eighty six pounds. 180, buddy. I'm 180 and I'm 5'10. But can you dunk though? Probably. (laughs) (laughs) No, I can't. Okay, he's averaging 5.7 points per game, 1.8 assists per game. He's shooting 36% from three and 42% overall. Okay, and he gets um, six. Post um, a week from Bleacher Report from uh, lame ass dunks. So that's his stat line right there. And you're telling me he should he has more votes than Kyle Lowry. But you know what? You know what? We all have more than him a better hairline. Well, yeah, and that's not hard to do. <laughs> oh my god, it's just it. He is the Harambe of the NBA voting. He is the Harambe. And it is pathetic. I mean, people in this, it, it, it's all people in the States. 
No wonder your president is Donald Trump. Oh my God. Uh, can we're not gonna get into the politics? <laughs> that's fantastic. No, how will we close out? Is that good? Yeah, that's perfect because I um <laughs> I have to clean up this puke that's on my floor. So closing out, uh, we're gonna leave you off with the you know the slate of games that's coming up in this week. You know, Raptors on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, which is tomorrow for us. Um, they're visiting Trey Young and the Hawks. That's I think a two o'clock tip off. Two uh, thirty, and then they come home. Uh, to face the 76ers on Wednesday for a big game in the East. Um, and then they're going to finish the week on Friday in New York against a potentially R.J. Barrettless Knicks, who is currently week-to-week week with an injury. So, Rod, what do you think about that lineup? You said we're going to go on a winning streak. What about that 76ers game? Uh, 76ers game, no Joel. There's no Joel, right? He's still, he's still out? I believe so. He had... I just want to make sure. Even even so, um, I think the Raptors will dominate Philly at home. They've had a tendency um, to beat Philly, especially during the regular season at home with ease. They haven't lost a, the Raptors haven't lost a home game um, to Seventy Sixers at home since like 2014, 2015. So that's phenomenal, and they have their full roster back i think that's a i think it's a i think it'll end up being a cakewalk for the raptors with especially without joel what do you think yeah i think i think i think the monday in atlanta might offer up something just because it is a weird time and playing at those weird times those funny things here you know, to your cardio, your body, your routine. So that might be kind of an equalizer of sorts between the Hawks and Raptors, but I think that, that shouldn't be in the bag. 76ers on Wednesday is going to be a big game just because you know, 76ers are getting a lot of stick in the media. Um, and I think they're starting to feel it, so it seems like they're trying to turn a corner. And then, of course, you know, the Knicks, especially if R.J. Barrett, who's you know, listed week to week, uh, that should be like a cakewalk. In New York on Friday. 100%, man. We should go 3 0. Um, I mean, the, the toughest game is obviously Philly, it, if you look at strength of record. But I mean, it, I think you offered up great insight on the Atlanta game, especially with the 230 start. Um, that could be a factor. I mean, Atlanta's not a very strong team, but they can, like a guy like Trey Young, can get hot, which he's been all year. And Again, if I didn't reiterate, he deserves to be in the All-Star game for sure. Um, that's where the fans have got it right because he's electric. Um, Imagine so, if he got some health. Yeah, that'd be awesome, man. Like, I mean, um, I think he should personally go after a guy like DeRozan in the offseason. Uh, consistent two-point scorers, yeah, that'd be good. I think he'd be a dynamic backcourt, especially with his ability to shoot. Um but they need another guy with them, I would say. I'm not sure who would fit in. I mean, they're, the guy like Delaney Hunter, is he's pretty good. Um, I think they were expecting Cam Reddish to. I mean, I know this is an Atlanta uh, podcast, but I thought they were expecting yeah. Cam Reddish to be that that player. But you know, he just is not turning out to be that player. Yeah, I mean, he might you know might need some time. I mean, look at a guy like Fultz. He's finally starting to show some light. 
Um, but we're also not Orlando Magic podcast, so let's get off that. <laughs> uh, we'll wrap up what we got. <laughs> but I mean, overall, I think we go three zero. Uh, what's your what's your what's your official? I'm gonna say for the week. I'm gonna say two and one. Two and one. Play it safe. Yeah, Embiid is out, but like I said, maybe something. Maybe something happens. You know, the Raptors are mixing around the formation a lot. It could be, could be, could be, could be an off day. Okay. All right. Um, I, I, I don't mind that prediction, Mitch. <laughs> I don't mind. If you would have said 0-3, I would have probably kicked you off the show and found a new co-host. Um, Jimmy Ward's always available. <laughs> Jimmy Ward, the guy only knows about cheese. Um, but uh, we'll wrap up the show here. It's been a pleasure, Mitch. This is the first episode we're launching of the Mitch and Driggs podcast. I know currently you do not have Twitter. I mean, eventually when we make it big, you're going to have to get Twitter and get Mitch to followers. run it for you. 100 followers, I said. You have 100 followers? No, no. If you can, if we can get 100 followers to the podcast, I'll get Twitter. Okay, perfect. And then Megs can run it for you. Cause, yeah, you know. that's everything else. <laughs> Facebook, Instagram. Oh, my God. But you can find me at Rodzi Observers. I'll be launching this on uh, a bunch of different platforms, SoundCloud, um, you know, the podcast app on, uh, on Apple, um, Spotify, wherever there's a platform you'll find this. It's the Mitch and Dreeks podcast. So look for us. I mean, first episode, um, we're going to keep doing it every week. Uh, we'll keep doing it. Keep the Raptors content going on here. Um, I know people like to listen to that. And hopefully you guys like our content. Do you have any closing words, Mitch? No, just again, thank you for taking the time to listen. Perfect. All right. So that's Mitch and Driggs podcast. And Rodzi is signing out. And AKA Driggs, Mitch. Have a good day, everyone.